the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. It's great to have you with us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley, along with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We appreciate your time. You're investing your time to listen to the show, hopefully toward a goal of arriving at retirement with financial peace of mind. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. Their firm is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. It is not far from 23 and 270, and they are dedicated to helping you come up with an investment plan, a blueprint, if you will, to arrive at financial independence with peace of mind. My wife and I have gained that as Aptus clients, and I believe you would do the same. So set up your free consultation with no obligation at all by calling their office at 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com is their website. And so much, Josh, of gaining peace of mind in retirement is having investments that pay the kind of dividends and returns that you're looking for. But Retirement is one of those things that I think is a real worry of a lot of people. In fact, I would say most people, because it's one of the things in life that if you get it wrong, once you're in the midst of it, it's, I don't want to say impossible, but very difficult to then get right. Getting it right is largely predicated upon making the right decisions in the years, decades, multiple decades leading up to it. Yeah, you know, I saw uh, something on a, remember the old SkyMall catalog mm-hmm. that was on flights? Sure. I, I saw a little uh, ad in one of those a uh, long time ago, this was probably 25 years ago, where it said that how you decide to, li- how you decide to live the first 40 years of your life gets dictates how you get to live the next 40 years of your life. Now, in this, it was selling, I think, like an exercise bike sure. or something, right? Sure. But I think that that same type of approach applies to finance and uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times, but it's been thousands of times that I've spoken with people and they all say the same thing. I don't want to be a Walmart greeter mm-hmm. when I'm 80, right? <laughs> For whatever reason, sure. like, like Walmart's the only store that hires 80 yeah. year olds. But nevertheless, the concept is if I get this wrong, I'm going to have to go do some form of labor that sounds abysmal to yeah. me. I don't want to do something I don't want to do, whether it's working or working at something I don't want to do. Now, I would say fortunately for a lot of those people that are just inherently warriors, and we all know some of these people, those uh, the folks that have a problem for every solution, mm-hmm. like you could tell them, you know, whatever you tell them, you won the lottery. Well, think of the taxes, yeah. Yeah, right? right? They they have everything. <laughs> right. um, 
you know, you can't necessarily help everybody, but if you don't fall into that gloom and doom category for everything and you just have what you believe to be legitimate worries. And if you look at today, I mean, as we're sitting here today, I believe, and you're the political guy, but I believe the last president and the sitting president are both under investigation. I mean, let's think about that for a second. There is no shortage of information to lead you to believe that this time is different and it'll be awful. And I think oftentimes those worries, which are perpetuated in our media, can really wreak havoc on the soul and really wreak havoc on your decision-making process and lead you to believe that your level of decision-making, whether it's conservative, you know, I need to go really conservative today because the ball's about to drop or whatever it might be, isn't necessarily warranted or based in fact. Um, And I can only share with you uh, a few things that I hear oftentimes as really significant worries of people. I mean, they're, they come in, what's the purpose that you came in for today? Well, I really want to talk about these couple of things because I'm really worried about them. And they don't apply to like 99.9% of the people. Wow. For example, we've all heard horror stories about estate taxes. Mm-hmm. So estate taxes are different than income taxes. When you die and you pass your money to your heirs, you have the potential of having to pay different layers of taxes. One being, well, if I leave my 401k to my kids, well, they're going to have to take the money out of the 401k and that's going to be taxable income, ordinary income tax. Well, if I leave my house to my kids, I get a step up in basis, which means they probably won't owe any taxes. And I won't bore you with all the details, all of this stuff. But then there's something called a state tax. And, and the story goes a lot like this that I always hear. I heard about this owner of a baseball team who owned the baseball yeah. team. And when he died, his family had to sell the team just to pay just the estate to pay the taxes. taxes. Right. So I'm so worried that I've heard these stories of, you know, you end up paying 60, 70% in taxes, which for that particular individual might absolutely be accurate. But know that estate tax, which can be as high as 45, let's just say at 50%. And then on top of that, you have to pay income tax, by the way. So this, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, it could be significant. terrible. It doesn't apply until you have a net worth of north of $13 million. And if you're married, it doesn't apply until you have a net worth of the combined total of two of those. So $26 million. Wow. Now, I'm not, I hope that everybody listening is worth $26 million Mm -hmm. and good on you. I'm, I'm happy for you. But the vast majority of folks, it's not going to apply to. But these are concerns that people keep them up at night. How am I going to, you know, I've worked my whole life for all this money and it's all good. 70% of it's going to be taken by the government. Right? Yeah, it's one of those situations where you hear a situation and um, because you have a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. There's a reason why any cliche is a cliche, why it gets repeated a lot is because in most cases there's uh, an element of truth to it, and a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing if you don't have the rest of the knowledge because that gives you a complete picture, and that's the advantage of having a fiduciary, someone who's legally obligated to do what's best for you, planning for your retirement. They are fiduciaries at Aptus. You can set up a free consultation with them to understand things like estate taxes and other concerns in retirement. Call their office, make your appointment, 614-917-1040, or make your appointment online aptuswealth.com. Now, you interact with a lot of clients, and I'm sure that they have a lot of worries besides just estate tax. What are some other things that as people transition toward retirement cause them concern, whether that concern is well-founded or not? Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. And I think, you know, you and, and I'll talk about a couple in a second, but I think you hit the nail on the head where you said that 
a lot of people have all these worries because they have a little bit of information. Well, the problem with today is that we have a lot of it information, but our interpreter might be a little bit yeah. broken, yeah. right? Um, for example, you know, nobody trusts financial professionals anymore. And it used to be that everybody trusted their doctor. But regardless of what side you were on, on like the COVID vaccine, for example, and I don't want to get a long form sure. discussion on that, but regardless of which side of it you're on, we can all agree that the byproduct of COVID was that there is a lack of trust, at least amongst a large contingency of people in their doctors. Yes. So we have more information at our fingertips now than we've ever had, and we have less trust now than we've ever had. So then you correlate that back to the 24-hour news cycle, and there's no shortage of things to be terrified of. Yeah, because you can go online, and I could go there right now, and you and I have talked about this on the show before, where we could find 10 headlines, recession is imminent, it's going to be one of the worst ever, and find 10 headlines, soft landing, they pulled it off, no worries, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, and if I was going to draw a metaphor on finance to the medical profession since I use that, I remember about 10 years ago, I got some blood work done. And I did what everybody should not do. You know, if you want to tick somebody off at a craft store, say you Pinterested something and you need some stuff. <laughs> if you want to tick your doctor off, go, well, I saw the results and I WebMD'd it. Yeah, right? there you go. And I went in and I said, go ahead, hit me with it. Because what I Googled was I have Hodgkin's lymphoma, right? It turns out I had a cold, uh -huh. right? But so the same thing happens in finance. So we've already talked about estate planning. Let's talk about a couple of other things. Uh, one that I hear all the time, and this is controversial, is that. We all need to buy substantial amounts of gold or, yeah, or precious, precious metals. metals, right? And if you've stayed up past 10 o'clock on any night, you have seen infomercials for buy gold now uh, and buy food storage mm -hmm. because the end is near. Yep. And unfortunately, I want everybody to kind of think about this. Close your eyes and think about every single year for the last 20 years, you've seen those infomercials, right? That's right. Absolutely true. Okay. So in the last 20 years, how many times over the last 10 years, 20 years, has gold been the best investment for you to put your money in? And the answer is you might be able to pick a year, but you can't pick a 10-year stretch. You can't find one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. Now, we could all pontificate on whether or not you know the U.S. debt is going to collapse us, et cetera, et cetera. But I assure you that if the U.S. economy collapses in the cataclysmic way that is being pitched to you. Think revelations, right? I yep. mean, it's it's the end of days. Yep. Do you really think that gold is going to save you? It's not going to save you. Gold is an investment just like any other investment. And unfortunately, it has been the single worst investment, second only to the United States dollar over the last hundred years. You'd be better off buying real estate, better off buying bonds, better off buying stocks, anything you can put your mitts on. You'd be darn near better off buying uh, baseball cards than you would be wow. buying gold. So note that they're appealing to your emotional insecurities of an economic collapse, which I'm not belittling, but there are other ways that you should be able to satisfy your fears that are far more advantageous than just going and buying gold bullion and paying somebody $300 to store it for you with a $250 annual fee for the account and the people who are selling you the gold don't care about your financial security, nor do they care about the price of gold. What they do care about is they can make money selling you gold. Yeah. You know, as I assess that, it makes total sense, particularly given like I've got maybe a better window of understanding into how media works than other people do. Why do people advertise? Why would the gold companies be advertising on late night TV? Okay, because 
they know that that audience is going to be receptive to their message. I don't know an advertiser anywhere, an effective one, who's ever advertised in a forum, television, radio, podcast, whatever, where they're not reaching their target audience. They advertise to people who are predisposed to buy the product they're advertising. Why do you think they advertise beer on football games? Why do you think they advertise luxury cars for professional golf? Because, you know, most, if you belong to a country club, you're pretty well off financially. You might have the money to buy a luxury car. So you're watching that program. Then you see the ad, and then you start to buy into a mindset that is presented in that ad. So I would think a lot of what you do at Aptus, particularly when you're meeting with people for their free consultation, is getting them to understand that the things that they bring in, their preconceived notions, that little bit of knowledge that's a dangerous thing, why it's dangerous and why it may not fit the situation that they're in. You know, I think it's critical to display those myths without a couple ways. I mean, certainly don't make anybody feel stupid for believing them because there is validity in all of these. Well, the people who are putting those messages out are really skilled at putting those messages out. There's nothing wrong with being intrigued by them or, or find them alluring because that's the work of another professional who's skilled in that area to get inside your head. Particularly infomercials that last for a long period of time. I mean, as you, as I, you and I sit here and talk today, we don't know what we're going to talk about. We're just right. having a conversation right. about finance. But if we took a tremendous amount of time and said, we're going to structure a 30-minute conversation steering people mm-hmm. towards one particular widget, we could do a very compelling argument to do that. And now insert, you know, some recent headlines and we have steered somebody in the direction that we want to take them and now get them when they're, you know, half asleep at 11 o'clock at night with a phone in their hand. And we might be able to get them to do some silly things. Yep. Um, And, you know, there's there's other things that people are worried about beyond just that. But we all know people that are just worried all the time. And unfortunately, that takes hold of them. I, I believe my job is to try to take as much guesswork and uncertainty out of retirement planning as possible. Or let's not even use retirement planning. Let's use financial independence planning as Mm -hmm. possible. Because I think everybody that's listening universally can say the same thing. Whether they love their job, hate their job, want to work forever, don't want to work forever, um, you know, maybe they never want to retire. Everybody wants to be in a position that if, God forbid, something happened to them that they could not work, that they would not be living in a van down by the river, right? They want to be able to continue their lifestyle. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that's why my wife and I gained great peace of mind from having Josh put together a blueprint for us, seeing how it tracks out with different levels of volatility. And we make the decision on which one we want to embrace. And there are many, many, many vehicles out there that you can have more risk with one, less risk than another. You are allowed, and I didn't even think of this going in, you are allowed to take a certain piece of your retirement investments, put them in a higher risk, per certain piece, put it in another. I hadn't really given it that kind of thought, which brings us to a topic that um, is certainly uh, often discussed around retirement, and that is diversification. Before we get to diversification, I wanted you to touch on another thing we hear a lot in the conversations around retirement today and around economy today, and that is the creation of a digital currency. Uh, the elimination of cash, the value of the U.S. dollar. Uh, I don't know. Those may be three completely different topics. It may be kind of one topic. People are hearing a lot about that. What can you tell them about that term uh, or those three terms as they are discussed in today's news? 
Yeah, I would think we're we're already very close to a digital currency economy. We just don't know it. Uh, I mean, if, if you and I reached into our pocket right now and combined all of the actual greenback cash mm-hmm. that we have, we might be able to buy a dinner. Yeah. I mean, how much cash do you really carry? You probably pay for everything with a debit or a credit card. Sure. Um, I would be willing to bet that most people that are listening uh, haven't written that many checks even in the last year. They're probably using a credit card or online banking. Yeah, Venmo, PayPal, something like that. There is not much different difference between that and a digital currency. But I think the fear that we have is that there will be some sort of uh, underlying negative consequence to the transition between the U.S. dollar and digital currency. So rewind the clock back to around 2008, 2009, and we heard the term Amero. This is, you know, you have the euro in Europe, which is where they took all the countries mm-hmm. in Europe, not all of them, but the majority of countries in Europe and said, rather than having all of these individual currencies where you're traveling the equivalent of like across the state line in the U.S., and now you have to... You know, you have to convert your cash and do all this stuff, and there's a transition cost. Why don't we just use a universal currency so that we can be transient and buy stuff with equivalent dollars? Well, in the U.S., they were saying we're going to do the same thing with an Amero, and the Amero will be between Canada, the United States, and Mexico. And then it went, well, maybe it's just the United States. And the theory is, you know, the conspiracy theorists said what they're going to do is they're going to offer Ameros at a 10 or 20% discount, meaning that you're getting less Ameros per dollar, but they'll sell it to us with this will eliminate so much illegal activity dollars like drug dealers, mm-hmm. et cetera, that it'll actually be worth more. But it's a way that they can kind of reduce the U.S. deficit with a kind of built in taxation. Now, I'm by no means suggesting that none of this could occur. I mean, all of these things that I'm talking about can occur. I mean, if we've learned one thing through uh, our time on the planet, it's that uh, the government can do some pretty tricky things mm-hmm. right, without us noticing it. But. I think the one thing that I hear oftentimes is that the the, sh- the conversion from us to a digital currency is going to be cataclysmic. I mean, basically what you're going to do is the rich are going to get richer and everybody else is going to be poor and destitute. Sure. It's all going down. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I think it's important to note that the rich only get richer when the poor have enough money to buy their stuff. So they cannot eliminate the middle and the lower class. They can't do it uh, because it would be essentially eliminating themselves. And if you're listening to this saying... Well, unless you got $70 billion yeah. and you're sitting on a mound of money on your own private island, um, those people aren't farming. Those people aren't uh, building their own Apple uh, iWatches. They're not doing any of that stuff. So we can't go down that path. And I think ultimately, sadly or positively, I don't know what it'll be. We're going to end up in a digital currency age. It's just a matter of time. Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you, the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Catch Josh with me every Monday, 12.35 p.m. on the Bruce Hooley Show for Money Monday. And then this show airs 7 p.m. Friday night. It'll re-air on Saturday at noon. Okay, so let's chat a little bit in the time we have left about diversification. And I know that has meant a lot of different things over a period of time. It used to mean you needed uh, 30 stocks and then mutual funds became a thing and now it's like is diversification like stocks and bonds and we can get into long involved discussions about number of stocks don't make you diverse it could be big companies small companies all this kind of stuff what's diversification mean now or is it different for every investor well i think the concept of diversification is a is a pretty old one i mean if we rewind the clock back there was a time when again everybody had those pensions and social security and then they invested in a little bit of stock they probably had some cd's at the bank and maybe they were had a, a penchant for General Electric or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So they went and bought a few shares of General Electric. 
Uh, then, you know, fast forward and we started running into these crazy things like, you know, Enron and people got a little bit of trepidatious about maybe one stock isn't good enough. So we came, we created mutual funds and mutual funds for all intents and purposes is no different than going and buying a place in Myrtle Beach where you say, I want two weeks a year, right? You're buying mm-hmm. a fractional ownership in all these stocks. And that allowed for smaller investments and a more diversified batch of stocks. If you think about it, if one share of X company was 500 bucks and you only wanted to invest 500 bucks, how are you going to diversify? You can only afford one stock. So what they did is they said, we're going to create this basket of stocks via a mutual fund. And you can, you know, throw 50 bucks in and get a small percentage share of all these three, four, 500 stocks. And that's great. And that certainly uh, leveled out a lot of the volatility and it made it much more comfortable for people to invest at a smaller dollar amount. Investing properly was no longer a privilege only of the rich. Yeah. So all these things are good. Then fast forward, and there's this guy named Markowitz, won the Nobel Prize this year, who said, what's really important is not just that you have a bunch of different stocks to avoid the fallout of one going bankrupt, but there is a secret sauce in the allocation between different asset classes. And by asset classes, think of things ranging everywhere from corn to stocks that are big, small, and in the middle, to growth stocks, value stocks, to bonds, to all these different things. And the reason there was a secret sauce between them is something called correlation. If the bond, and it's funny that we talked about this in the first segment of the show, that it doesn't always work this way, but historically speaking, as the stock market suffers, people usually flock to safety. The government usually lowers interest rates, which makes bonds do well. So you have this environment where not everything is going down. One is kind of offsetting the other so that you can limit volatility without reducing return over time. But fast forward to today, and I think we've gotten uh, a little bit over our skis in what we believe diversification is, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. For example, on a weekly basis, I will have somebody come into my office and say, I have 47 different mutual funds, so I'm diversified. Okay, um, fair. Uh, One mutual fund probably got you diversified, but what is the overlap amongst those mutual funds? Mm-hmm. If you own a thousand different mutual funds and they all own the same hundred stocks, <laughs> it's no different than owning one, right? right? And, and we see this a lot. Um, or uh, another one that I hear a lot is I'm diversified. I decided that rather than having one big IRA, I have 20 IRAs that add up to the one big one. Well, an IRA isn't a diversification tool. It's just an IRS tax code line item that says this is the way it's going to be taxed. What's invested in it is more important. So you didn't really diversify anything. Or we'll hear this one. I want to get 17 different financial advisors so that I'm diversified amongst my financial advisors, which, by the way, depending on how much money you have, might not be a horrendous idea. I think 27 is a little exorbitant, but maybe you want to so that you have kind of a concert of um, ideas. The problem with that is they better be communicating clearly or one person might zig while the other person zags and they might not be comparative. Or what if you go to one advisor and say, I want to be super conservative and you go to the other one, you want to be super aggressive. Well, you're going to be really happy with one and really disappointed with the other one year and vice versa the next. Absolutely. That's not a fair assessment on where that you should be. So I think it's critical that while diversification is important, um, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett talk about over-diversification all the time. Um, and I think Charlie Munger might be a little bit too extreme in the non-diversification category, who's Warren Buffett's right-hand man. He owns two stocks. 
uh, one being Berkshire Hathaway, which wow. is like owning a well, mutual fund, by good. the way. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. good there. Uh, and he's also worth, you know, $20 billion. So you have, uh, it affords you certain <laughs> opportunities. Uh, but I think the critical part is your fear, which is making you diversify, is the fear of making poor decisions due to lack of information. If we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. The fear is my intuition in picking this particular advisor, maybe I was wrong. Maybe he's a crook. So now I'm diversifying amongst advisors. My fear is maybe, what if Fidelity goes out of business? Well, I'll put some at Fidelity and some at Schwab. Are those founded fears or are they just irrational fears? And I think in my estimation, most of them are irrational. But until you have the information to know the difference, you just do irrational things. I mean, that's just what we do, right? I mean, if you don't, if you think that the sky is going to fall, uh, or you think it's going to rain every day, you carry an umbrella, but it's not going to rain every day. The key word in that to me is information. And when you have a fiduciary for a financial planner, and Josh and the Aptis Wealth Management Team are fiduciaries legally required to do what's best for you, they can give you the information that will enlarge your understanding of these terms that we hear and we think, okay, I want that. I want diversification. You know, I want no volatility. I want this, I want that. Set up your free consultation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Thanks for joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next half hour, we will be talking about planning for building toward financial independence in retirement. That's what it's about. You've worked hard and you certainly want to grow whatever it is you have saved. And if you haven't saved, well, it's time to get started. And that's what we'll be talking about today. You can reach out to Josh and the Aptus team to understand answers to the volatility that is out there, reactions, and have a plan, a blueprint, if you will, for the volatility in our market. Now we have high inflation. We have rising interest rates. It's a a compilation of market conditions we haven't seen in almost four decades. So get answers from a professional, from a fiduciary, someone who is legally obligated to do what is best for you. Set up your free consultation with no obligation at all by calling the Aptus office at 614-917-1040. You can also set up your appointment online by going to their website at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So here's a story, Josh, that caught my eye. An NBA player named Antoine Walker. The headline says he blew $108 million in career earnings by wanting to be like Jay-Z, Puff Daddy, and other rappers. So... I find it hard to believe anybody could go bankrupt after signing a $108 million contract. But I do occasionally see headlines about lottery winners who go bankrupt. And is there a is that a common story for people who come into sudden, almost incomprehensible amounts of money? It's, it's just absolutely common. Really? I mean, all the time. Yeah. And one thing I'd really like in that article... To, to read if they had it, which they don't, is what he bought, because that's the most fun thing to read. Yeah, it is. I, I encourage everybody to go online and look up what, you know, Nicolas Cage went bankrupt at one point, or at least darn near. Mm-hmm. Look up what he purchased, and it's just fun to read. I mean, you know, $350,000 dinosaur bones, the list just goes on and on and on, right? Yeah. I think the phenomenon here is when you think of the number $108 million, how could I possibly spend $108 million? Now, also think about if someone grew up with no money 
and now they have $108 million, there's no way I could pour enough water out of that bucket to make it go empty, right? I wouldn't think so. Other than you can. Um, and, you know, Shaq actually talks openly about this. He said the first time he got money in his pocket, he spent like $2 million in the first weekend of his bonus. And after taxes, his bonus was actually only like $1.8 million. So it was like $200,000 oh, wow. in the hole. Because, you know, you're buying houses for your friends and family. You're buying multiple cars in one day. The list just goes on and on. And, and you know, unfortunately, I've had or fortunately, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, some lottery winners. But unfortunately, I've seen their spending habits. And, you know, I can help you direct the money and I can even, you know, spit some wisdom at you. But ultimately, it's your discipline that's going to keep you on the straight and narrow. And unfortunately, every lottery winner I've ever had has within a period of three years spent every nickel they won in the lottery. Wow. Now, see, when I saw this headline, I thought, okay, what happened here is he couldn't have possibly had a, anybody in his life who was putting a check on spending I can't even fathom. It's hard for me to believe that if you spent $108 million, you wouldn't be in the course of obviously wasting some of that money, acquiring assets that it would at least be worth something on the back end. But I know you, I'm a client of Aptus, and I know uh, your strategies are very, very sound. So I'm surprised to hear that you've had lottery winners who, what, they just didn't follow what you told them, didn't want to set money aside, didn't want to keep it away from where they could get their hands on it. Yeah, people who haven't kind of grown into the money, meaning that, you know, they've it's taken them a long time, you know, pain, sweat, tears mm -hmm. to get the money that they have, where they become very protective of it. When it's a flash in the pan, they assume that that's the way that money is made. It's made by a flash in the pan. And you can also look this up. Look up, you know, Dave Ramsey did a lot of research recently out of his organization about what the average millionaire looks like. And I hate to break the news for everybody who's cynical. They did not get it overnight. They didn't inherit it. It was not given to them. It was built up over a long time of discipline, discipline savings, and logical investing strategies. So when you look at folks like this or the lottery winners that I'm talking about, a lot of times where the money goes, you know, they start with a million bucks. And somebody comes up to them and says, you know, hey, uh, I got this really good idea for a pizza shop. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to take 400000 bucks to get it set up. And this person's never run a pizza shop before. They might not even know how to make pizza. They just like pizza. So it sounds like, okay, hey, my buddy's got a bunch of money now. So I'm going to go ask him for money to start this pizza shop because I hate my job. And then the 400 grand's gone, poof, in a matter of 18 months. Or, you know, this, my other friend's got this really good idea. He's, he knows a lot about this thing. And he told me that we can start doing this. Well, there's another 200 grand. And then, you know, I've always wanted, and this is a good part of it. So I'm not knocking this. You know, I've always, my parents have helped me out dramatically. So I'm going to, pay off their house mm -hmm. or do whatever. And that's all good stuff. But by the time we pay taxes, the three items that I just said, you're broke. You're all out of money. So what should you have done with it? First, I always advocate having some fun. So if you get a million bucks, take a hundred grand of it, go buy something stupid, whatever it is, make it. I mean, you got a windfall, enjoy it. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't, that's like getting an A on your report card and saying, well, I didn't get an A plus. So I suck. <laughs> I mean, it's just foolish. Right. Yeah. If, you, if you, you do something fun, then pay your taxes. Because I've seen people go upside down on taxes, too. Then do some really boring, logical things that are going to make a difference in your life for the rest of your life. And then if you want to try one of these crazy ideas, do it with maybe like 5 or 10%. Protect yourself from yourself. Unfortunately, that's not what usually happens. No, it's not. And I hearken back to years ago, I was uh, sent to cover a bankruptcy hearing in the state of Ohio. Mike Tyson had purchased a property in Ohio, and he was in arrears 
on it in the course of that bankruptcy hearing, they were showing him clearly a very high-end real estate brochure for a multi-multi-million dollar estate somewhere in Connecticut. And they handed him the brochure, and he's looking at the brochure and all the rooms and all the ornate furnishings. And at one point in time, it like a light went on in his head, and he asked the judge, is this my place? Well, they obviously were showing him the brochure because it was his place, and they were inquiring about the taxes on it or the debt on it. And that made an impression on me that you can have so much money. And he made $59 million in one year at the height of his career. It was all gone by the time he had this bankruptcy hearing is that you could purchase a place that it was probably in the double figure millions of dollars. And he wasn't even aware that he owned it. There was like a light bulb moment. Oh, wait, I, is this the house that I own? Cause he never stayed there. He owned a house worth more than $10 million. He never spent a night there. I'm sure that's an extreme case, but people can get sucked into things that seem like, oh, well, what's the harm? I've got plenty of money. Well, then one day you wake up and you don't have plenty of money. Well, he's a perfect example. I mean, he had a tiger. Yeah. And he had, I heard somewhere, this isn't verified, that he was spending like $100,000 a month on feed, bird seed for his flipping pigeons. So, I mean, if I'm making $59 million a year, does it matter? No, except for that. You don't own a company that generates $59 million a year every single year. You have a finite window of boxing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think sometimes that's what happens is people, whether you're a football player, you're a lottery winner, whatever it is, you, I'm making $10 million a year. Yeah, but for a finite window. So you can't spend, it's different for you. If you're working at Nationwide Financial, you know, here in Columbus and you're making $100,000 a year and you save 15% 15% of your income for your whole career, you're going to retire just fine. If you're making $10 million a year for five years and you save 15% of your income, you're not going to be just fine for the rest of your life because you're used to living on $8.5 million and one and a half multiplied by four or five years doesn't equate to $8.5 million for the rest of your life. So there's only one thing worse than being broke, and that's being broke and being really rich and then being really broke, because now you know what Rich looked like, and it was it's not a good fall from grace. No, it certainly is not, and that's what we want to prevent. That is what, of course, Josh and his team are hoping to help you avoid. A free consultation awaits you by calling the office and setting up your appointment. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Very easy to get to. You can make your consultation for your no-obligation free consultation by calling the office, 614-917-1040 or by making your appointment online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Now, those uh, insane amounts of money, flash, uh, you know, windfalls are not something that most people uh, have to blow. But one way that people can get caught off guard, Josh, is by a market condition that they did not see coming because for the longest time we were in a situation where, you know, if you owned an index fund, you were going to get a pretty good return. If you just left your money alone in the stock market, everybody was used to a 20 year period where interest rates were very low. Now we are in a position in the last two years where people are dealing a lot of them for the first time in their life, challenging situations to grow their retirement nest egg. And they have to make better decisions. They have to have somebody on the case. That's what you guys specialize in. How challenging have the past two years been for you in terms of dealing with your clients and most importantly, uh, adjusting to anticipating and reacting to these market conditions that have resulted in 
high inflation, higher interest rates, and greater volatility. Yeah, volatility is really the killer for investors. Um, I think inherently as investors, we all know that if we leave the money in, let's just use the market as a broad brushstroke. If we leave the money in the market for the next 20 years, we know we're going to have a lot more money 20 years from now than we do now. However, as much as we'd like to think that we can just put the horse blinders on and ignore everything that's happening, not even open the envelopes when they come in the mail, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we know we all do to some capacity. Look at that. And even if we're not looking at our own stuff, just we all watch the news. And when you watch the news and you hear all this tumultuous stuff, it's going to be a recession, Mm -hmm. depression, stock market's going to go to, you know, going to go down to to zero. We start getting a lot of anxiety. And, you know, unfortunately, what we've been fed as, as, as clients, in my opinion, is two things that aren't necessarily the best ways to conquer that. Way number one is, well, just buy and hold. And do exactly what I just said. Just close your eyes and 20 years later, open your eyes back up and you'll be great. And that's true if we can actually do it. But there's something called the behavior gap, investor behavior gap. And this has been proven time and time again that there is a, there is a significant decline in your rate of return just by the decisions that you make on your own. So even if the market averages 7% over the next, you know, per year over the next 20 years, the average investor in the United States is going to average like three mm-hmm. because they're going to pull out at the wrong time and right. put the money back in. The other way is, well, I'm working with a financial advisor, and I'll use this as an example of somebody that I talked to literally this morning. He said, my financial advisor is you know, pretty good. Nice, nice guy. I've uh, been with him for a number of years. We get together every six months, and I go, well, what does that meeting look like? Well, he asks me my opinion on the investments. He gives me his opinion, and then we go with basically my opinion, and he moves stuff around. Well, how does that meeting occur? Well, when I call him. So your super strategic plan is, Whenever you call your person, you go meet with your person, and then that person moves some stuff around so it looks like they're doing something, which may or may not be at a really good time. And moves it around according to the client's kind direction? Okay. Yeah. So what ends up happening in that scenario? Well, fear and greed are your financial planners. Because what happened with this particular person is, you know, he thought he was a moderate investor. That's the way he feels. He feels like, I don't like volatility that much. Well, then in... 2001, 2002, the market starts going crazy. Uh, 2001, excuse me. And in 2001, he goes, I mean, this thing just keeps on shooting up. I mean, I'm a moderate investor, but I I hear everybody making 20%. I'm making 12. So in 2021, let's go. And the advisor says, okay. And then 2022 hits and he's down 20%. He goes, I don't think I'm an aggressive investor anymore. Has another meeting. I think we should pull back the reins. Okay. So what do we just do? We bought high and sold low. That's not a strategy. No. Uh, So how should it be handled? It should be handled that you're still having meetings consistently with your advisor. But there should be discretionary authority given to your advisor to make changes when they see fit to all of their clients' accounts. And that might not be at the time that you think makes the most sense. So when we were pulling back the reins in 2021 and then... You know, 2021 had a really good run at the end of the year, and you look like a moron. And all your clients are saying, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we're saying, the numbers, I I see what you're seeing as far as rates of return, but the risk metric that you're assuming for that, it's just not going to continue. And then 2022 hits, and oh, now I'm smart again. Right. So you have to start this relationship with client and advisor of one of long duration, which is why we use the blueprint process to show exactly what we do so that clients give us the ability 
to actually help them by knowing that this is a long-term process that they're bought into. If we would do our blueprint process in one meeting, we would be doing our clients a disservice because we wouldn't have them at a level of understanding to stick with the plan. And then when 2022 hit, well, thanks for paying us, but you paid us for nothing because you pulled all your money out and it, it did what it did. Yeah. I mean, let me take people behind the scenes a little bit. Like my wife and I are clients at Aptus and for us, if anybody asked me like, well, what do you have now that you didn't have before? Number one, I would say peace of mind. The reason why we have peace of mind is because I understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that's to me priceless because I had a fear that, okay, if we're managing this on our own, we're reacting to headlines. We're not proactive, we're reactive. And I wanted to find someone who is monitoring market conditions and volatility and scanning the financial horizon for danger out there to help me avoid that danger before I'm trying to react to it. So I would highly recommend you get that free consultation with Josh and his team. Learn about them, learn about their process. They'll learn about you too. I mean, it's a two-way street. You have to be a fit. 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can set up your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And one of those things that might be out there on the horizon, this word that everybody's scared of is a recession. And we hear all these forecasts about, oh, the recession, it's doom and gloom. Or no, it's going to be fine. We're going to have a uh, soft landing here. So Bank of America, a name everybody knows, uh, they uh, submitted uh, to an interview I guess, uh, with someone here from, I think, Yahoo Finance. And the headline reads, Bank of America shares 12 charts that show that the economy is about to enter a full-blown recession. Now, I'm not saying this is Bank of America's position. This is the position of this particular uh, news organization that is framing it through that prism. But here are some of the things that they say are warning signs. A decline in manufacturing activity. A decline in manufacturing often coincides with lower earnings. Global earnings model suggests imminent decline. Steepening yield curve often precedes a recession. Price of oil, job market, on and on and on and on and on. What I'm interested in here is how much of what you do is keeping your eyes open to market conditions before those market conditions become headline on the first page of the Wall Street Journal. And that is really, I think, what... uh, a person gets when they get a fiduciary because a fiduciary is uh, what you are and what some financial planners are, where you are obligated to do what is best for the client. You're not putting them in investments because, oh, hey, I get paid X percent commission on this investment and it's more than the other one. So I'm going to put them in the one with the highest commission. Yeah. All of that type of research goes uh, very significantly into the recommendations that we end up doing and how we manage money. And it's it's definitely an interpretation game. It's it's math and science and interpretation and all all the things in between. Because you know I'm looking at an article right here, same time period from CNN that says banking crisis will tilt into a mild recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know this is the interpretation of the recent Fed meeting where the Fed said you know we have a very small window to come in for a soft landing, and we use all this creative you know linguistics to try and wordsmith our way into whatever we're trying to pitch. Yeah, I mean, you can find a headline to pretty much tell you whatever you want to hear. Right? And now we have algorithms yeah. that as soon as you find the one you like and you read it for a longer period of time, you just get force-fed more of the ones that you like, right? So it ends up being this echo chamber of what you want to hear. And that can be very dangerous, particularly on the gloom and doom side. 
Because if you read one gloom and doom article and they start force feeding it to him by the end of the night, yeah. you've had four bourbons and you're like, it's all coming yeah. to an end, right? Yeah. Get, in, get me out of the market. I want all my money. I'm putting it under my mattress. Yeah, you're right. The algorithms can be dangerous. I notice even on social media that, boy, I'm, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm sure like I'm reading every one of these stories. Wow, I'm retweeting every one of these stories. And I have the cognitive awareness like, wait a minute, they figured out what appeals to me and they're feeding me what they think I like, and base, they're basing that on what I've shown I like. And if there's one thing that rises to the top with humans, I mean, not to dive too deep into this, but, you know, we're not lions and tigers. So, you know, we're kind of, we're on two feet so we can run away from danger. Yes. So we already have this, you know, predisposal to, well, if it's bad, I better protect myself yeah, against to it. Yeah, to fear. Fear, we respond right. to fear. Right. So the more fear we send you, the better. But to to circle back to your question about how much does that impact our investment decisions, I don't think right now you can ignore that the Fed has a significant impact on what the direction of the economy and the stock market is going to be. The Fed has a significant impact on what the bond market will do because there's an inverse relationship there between rising interest rates and bonds. But it doesn't influence all bonds equally. So, And also the rising interest rate environment is not going to affect all stocks equally. Uh, you know, Certain environments create a tailwind for different investments, and some create a headwind. And while we are not market timers, and we are not going to go, we're in the market, we're out of the market, we're in cash, we're in stocks, we will never do that. That is a loser's game. Mm -hmm. We will lean into certain areas of the market and lean away from others based upon what the economic forecast looks like. So think about things like consumer-sensitive investments and consumer-defensive investments. Defensive investments would be things like, even if it gets bad and you're sick, you're going to give up your health care last. If things are bad and you don't have a lot of money, you're going to give up toilet paper long after you've already given up your Netflix subscription, mm -hmm. right? Or your priorities are really askew. So are certain investments, quote unquote, safer than others? Absolutely. If you know that there's, you know, uh, a huge change like green energy, Right. There is no question, nobody would argue right now that the initiative in the federal government is electric vehicles. Whether you like it or you hate it, I don't care. That is the big push. Yep. So how can you make money investing knowing that? We pay a lot of attention to that. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And the danger in not being proactive, in not evaluating things as they happen, Josh, we're seeing that play out with the Federal Reserve, where they're now trying to get their arms around rising inflation and their one attack mechanism is to raise interest rates and they are taking a lot of criticism from a lot of financial people that you guys were telling us that rising prices was a normal occurrence out of the pandemic that inflation was not a fear nobody had to worry about it and okay they're you know experts at the fed and all that but when you're an investor and you make a mistake like that in not evaluating things, not seeing trouble coming before the trouble's actually on your doorstep, that can have a dramatic impact on your retirement savings. And those are the things that I know that you and the Aptus team are really, really dedicated to keeping away from your client's doorstep. Yeah, and it's important to remember that the numbers don't lie, but politicians always will, right? So what we hear on the 24-hour news cycle is going to pump us full of that fear and greed. And if we base our economic decisions or our financial decisions based upon the emotions that we receive off of that, you're destined for doom. 
And we've talked many times in previous shows about how they know that and they will use that to your advantage to sell whatever widget they're trying to sell you, whether it's gold or food for your basement or whatever it might be. But the reality is price to earnings ratios in a company matter. How much am I buying this stock for? And I'm not talking about it's a $200 share or $300 share, but how many multiples of what this company actually earns am I paying for this stock? What kind of patents does this particular company have that's going to build a moat around it that's going to be very difficult for another company to compete with? These are all very important things that if if I told you you want to start a franchise with Jimmy John's or something like that, you would personally look into. But for whatever reason, we don't buy stocks that way. As normal individuals buy stocks based upon emotion, not based upon can I actually make money off of this thing. So you need to have somebody sometimes that's a barometer of logic that says, not only do I think you shouldn't do that, but I think that maybe uh, we should learn how we should be doing it, and then we can be a cohesive team to make the right decision. Yeah, and that's what, again, I found to be so true of Josh and his team's approach. And we talk about a lot of concepts here. We talk about a lot of different uh, investment avenues. We talk about annuities and life insurance, and we talked about bonds and treasuries and stocks and index funds and funds that you know give you some of the upside of a market and mitigate some of the downside of the market they're not enslaved to one particular strategy they are uh, dedicated as fiduciaries doing what is uh, the best for you uh, legally obligated doing what is best for you set up your consultation 614-917-1040 aptus wealth aptus aptuswealth.com The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.